controversies abound. Everybody's mad after the Vikings fall 21 to 20 in Denver. Let's pick up the pieces on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You liked it on three, one, two, three. You, like you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, where we're always trying to learn something new. You can find this show wherever you find your favorite podcast. So if you're new, check us out wherever you want, uh, including YouTube or Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Of course, I am your host, Luke Braun, and I thank you so much to everybody who watches this show every single day. My hashtag everydayers, please sound off. I love hearing from you. Uh... Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Vikings fall 21 to 20. Primetime nail biter. Everybody was very stressed and anxious. And everybody is very mad. I have plenty of frustrations of my own. Frustrating is the name of this game for me. So let's go over some of the major beats and moments first. And then we can talk more about individual players on defense. Makai Blackman, Josh Metellus, who both had nights to forget. Alexander Madison is a big topic, Hawkinson, Addison, all these guys, and of course, Josh Jobs as well. But first, I think the headline of this game, I think the most important thing in this game, and I know I sound like a broken record, it's not interesting, but it's right, so it's what I'm going to say, is turnovers. Um, The Vikings suffered three turnovers in this game, including one on the very first drive, three plays in, we have a fumble from Josh Dobbs on a weird ill-conceived third and one play. And I think third and one play calling is like going to be kind of a thing that I sort of want to address later in the week. But uh, when, I, when I have a more salient idea of exactly what they did, but that one was weird, right? The They have TJ Hawkinson motion across, stop in the middle of his motion, take an under center snap, and then toss the ball to Josh Dobbs on like a sweep. And uh, it, it had the room to get there, but Kareem Jackson came in and dislodged the ball with a uh, lowered helmet hit. Don't worry, we'll get to it. Uh, ball comes out, Broncos ball, right? Stop them for a field goal. And what happened on all three of these turnovers, crucially, and I think the reason they're in this game is that the defense stopped it was nine points off turnovers. Each one of them only turned into field goal drives. Those are touchdowns. This thing is out of hand, and we're talking about what a meltdown the Vikings had. But I wrote in my notes twice the words meltdown. So I think you could absolutely call it a meltdown. <laughs> even though the defense sort of minimized that damage. But in the second half, Alexander Madison, the ball pops free. Doesn't even look like it was hit, although that replay angle, it kind of there's like a person coming in front like right at the moment, so I could be wrong about that. It, it just kind of looks like he lost his grip on it and the thing just bobbled out of him like, like he was in the beginning of like a an infomercial for a product you would never need. It just kind of falls away. Uh, terrible, terrible play. And then the very next series, the, the, when the Vikings get the ball back, Ty Chandler is in. And by the way, those two split the workload. Another thing we will get to, uh, but he's in, in a, it gets beaten past protection, lets up a pressure that hits Dobbs as he throws and it turns into an interception the other way, giving the Broncos a first and goal. Two of those happened in scoring range, two of those turnovers. So holding them to nine is big. 
but it's it's just got to be the first thing again. And it's another one of those things that just sucks because we spend like we spend the whole offseason quibbling over whether or not it was wise to spend two more million dollars on the tight end position that could have gone to guard. And what's the you know optimization of your roster construction? And it's like, oh, my God, who cares about that? We just turned the ball over three times. Don't do that. And you win. Everything else is could have been that this way or that way. All of it is so caught up in the wash of how deeply impactful it is to just piss away three three uh, possessions. So that sucks. Um, but it also, I, I think there's going to be a bit of a narrative coming in this one about the officiating. Now, you all know me, right? My hashtag every day is, you know me, I'm a very much control what you can control kind of guy. For the Vikings, you can't control if the refs call it or not. Play better, right? Uh, play better on the times when there isn't a flag or, a, or shouldn't have been a flag or whatever. But I am sympathetic to at least the first fumble that that should have been a a helmet to helmet hit. Uh, Kareem Jackson, who by the way has a history of this, so you should be like hyper dialed in on him. To, and I'm sure the Vikings did, and if not, they should have said, "Hey, by the way, watch Kareem Jackson. You know that guy, right? Keep an extra eye on him." Um, like that's part of the gamesmanship is saying that guy likes to commit the penalties. Refs, watch it and try to increase the likelihood of getting that flag. Um, and I, I like, I'm sure they did. But he comes in, head down, hits the helmet. I mean, it's like as clear as day. It, there is no ambiguity to this call at all. And I bet he's going to get a fine again. Probably even suspended because he's already been suspended for this once this year. Uh, I I think that's just, I, I don't think it's like malicious. Like I don't, I, I, I don't feel comfortable at least saying that without more evidence uh, of intent. I think it's just um, bad form. And... What I will say about it is it absolutely should have been a penalty, and that penalty would have nullified the fumble, given the Vikings a first down and the drive would have continued. So it would have taken that away, right? And by the way, take three points for the Broncos off the board so the Vikings win, right? Like you could make that argument about just about anything that happened in this game. One point game, anything that you can consider that would get you a point. Get that third down, don't, you know, mess up this play or that play. Um, But what I will say is the helmet-to-helmet nature of that hit is not what caused the fumble. In fact, if it were lower the way we would want it to be to not be flagged, it would have had a higher chance of being a fumble. And that's actually what they like teach. Put your head on the ball, right? Put your face mask into the ball. Um, Caleb Evans got a great fumble in the Falcons game doing that, I thought. Uh, or was that was that a, a punch? Somebody got, his, got a good fumble by just putting their helmet on the ball, which is what you're supposed to do. But leading with the crown of your helmet, launching into a guy, should have been 15. For me, I care more about the player safety. The we got robbed of 15 yards in a first down thing. Eh, you get, you're on the right side of those. Sometimes you're on the wrong side of those sometimes. In the grand scheme of things, they will even out. And I'm, I'm comfortable with that. And I understand that there has to be a margin of error for refereeing because that job is impossible. Um, so I, I'm, at, it's, it's not, I'm not going to lose sleep over that. But when it comes to player safety, here's what I will say. I think NFL officiating as an entity owes the public a statement. Because they did not protect the players. They did not flag that helmet-to-helmet hit. They did not flag an egregiously late hit later. I think it was in the, in the first quarter. Um, there was another horrific helmet-to-helmet hit from, or uh, lower, lowering your helmet, not to the helmet, but it was still like leading with the crown from Alex Singleton and a player who's forward against uh, Alexander Madison, whose forward progress was stopped uh, on the drive that had like the fake punt and the fourth down going for it and all that stuff that happened later. Um, that all should have been flagged 
That's that's 45 yards of penalties. And while I'm not going to lose sleep over losing the 45 yards, it felt like the the officials did not protect the players. And that's your job. That's first and foremost your job. That's the most important thing you do. Um, I think the Minnesota Vikings are owed a public statement. You can't do anything more than a public statement. It's not going to fix anything. It's not going to overturn the game. You just kind of have to take that. But I think that they are owed an acknowledgement at the very least. All of that out there. And now that I've spoken my piece, the thing is, you can't control that, right? So how do we react to it as as fans, right? Because we can't control what the team does either. And I think that's one of those things that there are better places to spend your energy. If you're going to spend your energy on football, I think there are better places to spend it. So let's let that lie where it is right now and talk about things like how we feel about Kevin O'Connell's coaching job, the offense in general, Dobbs, all of that. Um, that will be next. And then we'll also talk about defensively how we felt about the game that the Vikings had. Today's episode of Lockdown Vikings is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And it's your team, not just some generic, like this is not a cookie cutter thing. And LinkedIn Jobs understands that. So they have not only the biggest pool of possible applicants available to any prospective employer, but also screening questions that help you narrow that giant pool down into the actual stack of resumes you want to pursue because the giant stack of resumes can be so overwhelming that you need something to help narrow down for the the job and what you need from it and culture and just the, the kind of applicant that you're looking for experience level. All of that stuff is so important to be intentional about that shouldn't be an arbitrary process and linkedin jobs knows that so linkedin jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on nfl that's linkedin.com slash locked on nfl to post your job for free terms and conditions apply Thanks again to everybody who makes Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. Uh, if you are watching on YouTube, I would super appreciate it if you watched all the way through to the end for all kinds of reasons, one of them being uh, that this will redirect you straight to the Locked On Minnesota Sports 24-7 live feed. That is this show, Locked On Wolves, Locked On Wild, Locked On Twins, all in a 24-7 feed. Kick that thing on, have it on in the background while you work, and you can just like soak your brain, just bombard it with Minnesota sports content, a 24-7 feed of Locked On Minnesota sports content. Let's move on to some more specific things about this game. And the first thing that I want to go over, I guess, is maybe the most controversial. People are really upset at Alexander Madison. And I want to be nuanced with this because I don't think that like it's really hard on like Twitter and on shows like this to to say something that people disagree with, but say it in a way that'll get them to listen instead of just react. So this is what I, I plea. I think people are too crazy with Alexander Matt. I think they're too mad. I don't I think a little mad's okay, but I think they're way too mad. Um so here is the my perception of Alexander Madison's game. I think he was running really well until he fumbled. That fumble was hideous. It was awful. Kill him for it. You can say, I, I, a lot of people said in response, man, that fumble undoes everything good that he did in the whole game. And I think if that's your take, I'm not going to argue with you. I think that's fair. Um, but I think you kind of have to hold Ty Chandler to the same thing because he made a mistake that caused a turnover as well. It just wasn't as direct uh, in by, by messing up in pass pro. But I think people lose me when I hear things like Madison should be cut 
or they, sh- you know, Ty Chandler should start and the Vikings are idiots for not doing it. Like I, I can be sympathetic to, no, I think Ty Chandler's a little better. Maybe he should get more reps. Personally, I think 50-50 is appropriate right now. I think that Madison started as the bona fide back, and I think that his role, due to things like fumbling, has fallen to a 50-50 role. I think that's an appropriate uh, kind of walk back of that and give Ty Chandler more opportunities. 50-50 is good. If you wanted the Vikings to give Ty Chandler more opportunities than they had given him in the past, congratulations, you got your wish. And I think people don't realize that because what they really want is for Madison to disappear from their lives forever. And I think that that's too much. I don't think Ty Chandler has done enough to earn a hundred percent starting role at all. Uh, and messing up in pass pro is not going to help that. Um, but I, I get super lost from people when I hear like what kind of blackmail does, you know, Madison have on Kevin O'Connell? How could they possibly be this stupid to do this? And I think that I just, I call for humility Um, I have what I think, and if you have what you think, that's okay. But uh, looking at the Vikings and saying that there is this obvious truth that Ty Chandler should take all the reps and Madison should be like strapped onto the next SpaceX rocket, uh, that is an extreme take (laughs) and demanding that the Vikings agree with you is hubris. None of us are that smart. I'm sorry. There's just too much subjectivity to this. And we can debate until we're blue in the face about Madison's run style, which is more conservative, been less conservative in this one, to be honest. I I thought that he found the holes really well in this one. And were it not for the fumble, I think I'd be talking about how the Vikings ran the ball for 170 yards, uh, including a fake punt that went for 31. Um, But like they gashed the Broncos. Bar none, they gashed the Broncos on the ground. They came into this game wanting to run and they ran. And there is no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But I I don't want people to get it twisted. I don't think that Madison should go back to having like 10 drives to Chandler's two. I think 50-50 is appropriate. I actually like the split that they had this time. And I think that they should continue with that. Uh, And I, I think that if you disagree, that's valid. But if you disagree and think the Vikings are the stupid ones for disagreeing with you... That gets a little less valid for me. Um, Elsewhere in the Vikings offense, a lot of people want to blame Kevin O'Connell in various ways for this one. I think outside of the general, like you just, you kind of own the failures of your team way, which is always going to be a little bit true. I struggle to see what Kevin O'Connell did like super wrong outside of a couple things, which I'll name. Um, A lot of people are really mad about him punting on a fourth and one on the wrong side of midfield. Uh, or on the like on the plus side of midfield, um, it was like a long one, and I'm sympathetic. I think that I, I called it in my notes. I called it like eh, that was a weenie punt, but I'm not ever going to be all that passionate about it. Um, it's like even the really bad ones are like 3.5 percent win percentage, and I don't know. Like get rid of one of the turnovers, and you get like four of those. So <laughs> like you know, I I that's never going to be. Th- thing a on my list but sure yeah i disagree with that probably as much as you do um and i don't know i think that they made some game plan errors or some like adjustment errors in the end of the game that was more of a defensive thing and i'll get to that when i talk defense but i don't really see a lot from i think o'connell actually came in with a really good game plan i think walking into this game and saying we're gonna run at these guys is absolutely the correct decision 
Um, looking at what the Broncos had done previously in run defense, what had happened to them last time they played a 21 personnel Shanahan team. That was Miami. Um, I think absolutely you go into that game and say, we're going to run a lot. And by the way, we've got this like piecemeal quarterback situation. We're running a lot. I think that that's absolutely correct. Uh, I wish the backs were better. I think both backs made mistakes and I wish they had a better one. I miss Cam Akers and I think it's an offseason need. I don't think anyone needs Gulag. Chill out a little bit. But I, that doesn't mean that I think that they did well. But I also don't think that it was r- like wrong to game plan for that. Um, I, I also got a lot of people telling me about uh, TJ Hawkinson being like, this was a disappearing act from Hawkinson. And I am super confused as to how people can say that. Like, I'm genuinely wondering how they got to that conclusion. And my best guess is, I, here's the deal. He led the team in targets. He led the team in receiving. He got seven catch or seven targets, four catches, 55 yards. Um, that's a pedestrian by his standards. It's a lower game by his standards, which I think is what is getting people to go like, where'd Hawkinson go? Because we're used to him getting like 80 yards a game, which you should think about that if you're like a Hawkinson hater and you're like, see, he's bad. He only got 55 this time. It's like, why are your standards what they are? Probably because he's really good all the time. Uh, but also there, there was less passing volume in this game because the Vikings came out running a lot. And guess who's blocking on all those? right? He's part of it. Um, so I, the idea of Hawkinson pulling a disappearing act, I think it's also Josh Oliver had a couple of big plays and you go, well, wait, why wasn't that 87? And well, he was also on the field. It's just that Hawkinson or Oliver was the one that happened to be running that part of the route, right? Um, something we get with Dobbs who hasn't been around is you don't get the same biases toward players that have proven more or less, right? Brandon Powell has proven more than Jordan Addison has to Josh Dobbs. If you just have that three window, that three game window, that's his experience. That doesn't mean that Addison isn't a better player, but like you're not going to get the same thing that we had with like Kirk and Justin Jefferson, where Kirk Cousins would like trust Jefferson in spots that he wouldn't trust like KJ Osborne in, right? Like that dynamic isn't going to be the same. Um, and on the topic of Josh Dobbs, um, Kind of the same stuff that we saw, right? We saw cool scrambles and we saw really cool improvisational plays in the first half. And it felt like, oh my God, this dude is super, super cool. But what I will say is when the Broncos started figuring out contain and getting pressure with contain, right? Being able to stay in the part, the angle of like in the escape lane you're supposed to be in while also closing space, right? You're not just parking there, but you're saying, no, I am, you cannot get outside me and I'm getting the walls are closing in. Once the Broncos started doing that successfully, which required them to win blocks, which they did against the line, which totally crumbled at the end. So apply that adjuster however you want. But once that started happening, the scramble stuff of Dobbs, he just dissolved, man. I think the pressure just got to him, both the pressure of the moment and the pressure of the like physical like D-line pressure uh, because he was poor in the fourth quarter. Great first half, not so great second half. Kind of the same thing as the as the Saints game. There's a bit of a pattern going on here. Uh, on the postcast, the Lockdown Vikings postcast, which you can find on the Lockdown Minnesota Sports YouTube channel after each game, live with Sam Ekstrom and Ron Johnson and sometimes Luke, in- Luke Inman. Uh, we, Sam and I talked about, like, what do you do with Dobbs now? And I, the answer, we came up with pretty similar answers, which was, you go into the Bears game, I don't think you make any quarterback switches or anything. Some people said that. I think that's too much. Uh, but if he has a disaster class against Chicago, if it's just a mess, right? If he throws three interceptions, the Vikings lose by two scores, then you go into the bye and you say, eh, maybe it's Jaron Hall time. But I think it would take like a fairly extreme result to get there. 
So while I've got my gripes with Josh Jobs, and we'll talk more about them over the course of the week, um, I don't think that the game that he had was remotely close to bad enough to change who the quarterback is. And that's really the the like actual decision calculus here is, do we go with the same guy? Yeah, yeah, we go with the same guy. Um, defensively, the Vikings had a pretty good day, and I want to shout out some people that I thought did well and some of the things that didn't go so well down the stretch. So we'll get into that next. Today's episode is sponsored by DoorDash. DoorDash is an unbelievably clutch thing, especially during games. You're in the middle of a game. You don't want to get up and cook. You're certainly not running out for food. You're in the middle of watching the Vikings. What are you doing for that? Order something, right? That is what DoorDash is for. It can also be a really clutch thing when you are trying to make dinner and, oh my God, I forgot this or that. I got to get that delivered right to my door conveniently. No contact if that's a thing for you and pretty quick to boot. And it's a great way to find some of the like local ma and pa kind of places that you would never stumble upon on your own because you like go, don't go down that street or whatever. Uh, fantastic stuff to find great places in your area and get their food delivered directly to your door. If you are new to DoorDash, you can download the DoorDash app and get 50% off, up to $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. All you have to do is enter the code LOCKED23. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-2-3 to get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend 15 bucks or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app. Subject to change, terms apply. Let's move on to the defense here on the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. <laughs> so all in all, good day for the defense. I tweeted this out during the game. I, I still believe it. Um, the defense carried its weight and then some. In this one, they were put in some tough spots, a couple of really short fields for the Broncos that ended up in just field goals, um, you know, minimizing all three turnovers like I talked about. And the Broncos had like four or five three and outs in this game, Uh, never generated a turnover, which sucks. But like those three and outs can kind of feel the same and have the same impact, right? You're basically just deleting a possession. Uh. A big part of that was getting success against the run, and they had ridiculous success against the run. I think when, when the tape clicks on, it's hard to see on the broadcast angle, obviously, because everybody's so squished together. But I think when we can really slow things down and look at the tape, I think we're going to see a Harrison Phillips masterclass. I, I think he really put one on. Uh, just in holding his spot, getting TFLs, a couple of ridiculous TFLs in there. Um, but the rest of the guys in the interior as well, it should be noted. Dean Lowry got hurt early in the game with a pec injury. They're still monitoring the severity of that. Uh, but that's never great. So guys like, you know, Kyrie's Tonga, Jaquel and Roy have to step in and they got a lot out of those guys. Um, and the edges as well. Daniel Hunter did Daniel Hunter things. It feels like Daniel Hunter is just having such an ungodly season that like the superhuman becomes mundane. (laughs) <laughs> like we're like, oh yeah, Daniel Hunter just kind of did what he does, which is take over drives sometimes. Like he just does that. Uh there was good there were good plays from Patrick Jones and DJ Wanham as well. Patrick Jones got totally robbed of a sack by a bad ref call. Uh it was it was third down. It was a throwaway. They were punting either way. Um, but unfortunate that it doesn't help him toward the uh the stat sheet. That's too bad. Uh that said it wasn't all perfect right I, I, the defense played well on the whole defense played well and i want you to take that away and, and I, I don't want you to misconstrue me as saying that the defense secretly didn't they just didn't on the last drive 
was a meltdown on the last drive. Check down city. I mean, it was check down, check down, check down for 10 yards, 12 yards, 15 yards. It reminded me of the 2021 Lions game where um, the, you might remember going up. They were like, oh, 10 and one or something like that, going to Ford Field and they needed a touchdown to win the game. And they didn't have to make a play. O'Connell even said this on the uh, in the broadcast. Hey, when you let them get down to scoring range, scoring range, they only need to make one play and they made one play. And I, I agree with that phrasing, which or that that framing that says like the problem is that you let them get down there and that they only needed they should have to make three or four or five plays to get down there and score a touchdown on you with three minutes to go needing a touchdown to get ahead. Um, but when you can just flick the ball to your running back and just have him take the space that's in front of you and that space is ten yards deep and hey making a lot of guys miss tackles as well, that is worse. And I think that that was a failure. So I think there was a failure in um, philosophy in that Uh, the Vikings came into this game using a lot of simulated pressure and drop eight. And I think the Broncos came into this game ready to counter blitzes. They had all kinds of screens dialed up and they had all their checks right and everything like they were very ready to go against the blitz, but they seemed not prepared at all to go against drop eight. And the worst things that happened to the Broncos, the sacks, the incompletions, the the bad plays in the pass game happened against three-man rushes in drop eight. And what would happen is Russell Wilson would check into some kind of blitz pressure because we'd be simulating, right? We'd be lining up looking like it's going to be a blitz. Everybody would drop out. And essentially, I think the, the thing would go, oh, this is not the coverage we thought we were getting. Whatever, dump it to the check down. Get to your outlet. This is a muddy picture. I don't like it. Get to your check down. A uh, very veteran way to play it. But it didn't really work because the Vikings could rally and tackle. They had, when you have that drop eight, the way the Vikings play it, they have five underneath defenders most of the time there. Maybe four if they're in like a three double buzz thing. But four or five underneath defenders means that there's always going to be somebody pretty close to right in front of that that can rally and tackle. When you go to a normal four-man rush and you're only dropping seven... The reason that hasn't been as effective despite having the same simulation is because now, depending on the coverage that you're in, you might only have three or four guys uh, underneath. Three guys and you'll have uh, different structures for how to handle stuff after the catch. And because the drop depths got a lot deeper because it was treated like a two-minute situation, even though there were three minutes left on the clock with three timeouts, for me, time is no object there. And the broadcast said the same. Um, there was just a lot more room for running backs to get ahead of steam, a lot more room for Samaje, it was, uh, Samaje Piran to set defenders up and juke and jive and make things happen and make checkdowns into explosive plays. So they gave up several explosive checkdowns and explosive checkdowns to me, are one of the most embarrassing things that can happen to you as a defense. I think it was an absolute miss. Um, in particular, a couple guys that had, we'll go with nights to forget, uh, Josh Metellus and Makai Blackman. Makai Blackman got smoked on a couple in the, the early parts of the game, uh, which, look, when you're blitzing the way the Vikings do, when you play the way the Vikings do, I'm at peace with that sometimes. I'm not going to kill you too much for it. Pointed out, you lost those, but I expect you to lose more than you have so far, so it's okay. Uh, and Metellus just had a couple of like particular moments, but both of them were in on the final touchdown. With the the clock ticking down, the Broncos hit Cortland Sutton in the back of the end zone on a jump ball, basically. This is flipped up floaty. Uh, Makai Blackman, who was in squat, I believe, comes off of his underneath responsibility. He ends up being the closest one to the ball, but he jumps late and he doesn't get there. 
and uh, Josh Metellus just loses it in the lights. Ultimately, I think that is a great way to encapsulate what happened in this game. When the moment was big, the Broncos made the play and the Vikings didn't. Third and 10 with the game on, on the line, if you have to convert, Josh Dobbs comes back to pass, Bradbury gets bowled over, gets his feet tangled up with Dalton Reisner and he goes down too. And now it's uh, a sack. That was an intentional grounding, but whatever, sack. Um, sets up a fourth and 25, you'll never get that. There's a bunch of examples of that, right? You have two high passes to Josh Dobbs. Hawkinson has to go up for it. He doesn't come down with his. Justin Simmons makes the pass breakup. Metellus does not make the pass breakup in the end zone on Cortland Sutton. Neither does Makai Blackman. Their guy made the play. Our guy didn't make the play. And so as frustrated as I am with the officiating, which is more about player safety than the result of the game, uh, but as frustrated as I am with that and, and the turnovers and all that stuff, the Vikings did have a chance at the end, but they didn't make the play. Broncos did. Congrats, Broncos. Uh, they're at 500 now. Vikings go to 6-5. and five. Still a lot of season left. 6-5 and five still has them in fairly comfortable playoff position, but the margin for error decreases, 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 and some tough opponents on the horizon. So uh, we'll have to take this as it comes. Next up is Chicago. Now we, we're back on Justin Jefferson hamstring watch, and we see if we can get him back for Monday Night Football. Um, as... Uh, point of order, I will be traveling this week for the holidays, so the podcast schedule will be a little bit wonky. Might not do one on Thanksgiving, so might not have a Friday show, may, might have a Friday show, kind of depends on scheduling and uh, internet access, because I'll be a little bit out in the sticks. So um, it the uh, show is going to be different, sound different, look different. I'll get them out, though, so... I love you. I hope you all have a great holiday. And as always, Skull.